Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Uh, we're going to talk about the state budget that is being discussed at the Ohio State House right now, and they're trying to settle between the House and Senate versions so that uh, the budget can be passed. Uh, the Senate actually passed a very conservative budget in a large expansion of school choice in the state of Ohio, actually historic. I was speaking with our good friend Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute, uh, and he'll be coming on the program in the next week or so to talk about the budget and about school choice and the expansion uh, that will reach a lot more Ohioans. But we're going to talk to the uh, gentleman who actually chairs the Education Committee in the Ohio Senate and was instrumental in that bill passing. But there's been a problem. Uh, The Ohio House, once again, with Speaker Stevens, um, is actually stalling the budget passage process. Now, remember, there's a number of Republicans that, um, uh, 67 actually in count, of 100 members in the Ohio House, and over in the Senate, uh, the the, uh, Republicans uh, are the majority there as well. Now, they passed a conservative budget out of the Senate, and they sent it over to the House, but now, instead of concurrence and even working in conference committee, there seems to be some kind of problem, and that the Speaker doesn't uh, want to uh, work it out to the deadline, which they have till the end of this month, June, which is quickly approaching as we enter into the July 4th weekend, uh, this weekend. Uh, This is typical. This is normally what happens as they work on the budget uh, in the beginning of a session. But this time he wants what's called a continuing resolution uh, to carry the debate over into July, which they would miss the deadline at that point. Uh, And we got some reports this morning from the Ohio State House that he wanted Democratic support. Well, you actually don't need that. Obviously, there will be input by Democrats, uh, certainly. uh, But the Republicans hold the majority in both the House and Senate. And Governor DeWine is saying he doesn't want a concurring resolution. So the governor's not happy about it. Here to discuss it and break it down with us is State Senator Andy Brenner, who, again, is the chairman also of the Education Committee in the Senate, and we're going to talk with him about the budget. Andy, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Chris, for inviting me on. Well, Senator, uh, you know, again, as we just detailed, um, this thing should be a (laughs) no-brainer with the House and Senate, with the Republicans in control of both chambers. But, again, here comes this uh, problem with, uh, the Speaker Stevens, with uh, concurring with his Republican brethren, uh, especially on the kinds of principles which most Republicans had uh, ran on, and that is uh, lower taxes, uh, school choice, uh, expansion, uh, a conservative agenda. What, what's happening? Uh, that's a good question, Chris. We passed the uh, budget, as you pointed out, a very conservative budget, a very uh, pro-Ohio, pro-business, pro-school choice budget. Um, out of the Senate on June 15th. Um, the House uh, was not in on June 15th or the rest of that week. So we sent it over to the uh, House, and uh, they voted to not concur a week later. So that was last week. But that still left us about, you know, 10, 12 days 
uh, for the House and the Senate to, you know, agree on conference committee, uh, you know, agree to the differences, and then, you know, vote on the bill by the end of the month. But, um, the uh, House decided to amend uh, my bill, Senate Bill uh, 43, which is a bill dealing with uh, a fix uh, for the uh, veterans' uh, home uh, tax exemption for uh, school or for taxes, for your property taxes. And there was a quirk in the law. What the bill itself does is uh, a surviving spouse will qualify uh, even if their spouse died before uh, they get received the full veteran's approval uh, for uh, the homestead exemption. So You actually have an example of that currently with a constituent in yeah. your district. Uh, break that down for us. It's actually, we want to thank you for introducing this legislation. It is very helpful to our veterans and, of course, our uh, those who are disabled veterans. Uh, explain to us what happened in your district with one con- uh, constituent. Yeah, we had a constituent. Um, he was in the military. Uh, he had applied for permanent disability from the Veterans Administration. In the process, he, he applied. He dies. Uh, his surviving spouse uh, uh, is there. Uh, he uh gets approval after he died from the Veterans Administration for permanent disability. She goes to apply for her homestead exemption, uh, which the surviving spouse would get, which is an additional $25,000 reduction in the value of your property. Uh, And she was denied because the law says that it had to have been approved while the veteran was still alive. So she was then turned down because she was no longer, her husband had died. And so what this basically does is says, look, if the veteran applies, if, if he's approved or she is approved, even if they die in the process, once it, the Veterans Administration gives a, you know, a permanent approval, then the, the surviving spouse can still apply for the homestead exemption. And that surviving spouse will keep that until the surviving spouse either remarries or moves from the original home. So that's what the bill did. It passed out of the Senate unanimously. I believe it passed out of the House Ways and Means Committee unanimously. And now it is uh, sitting there to go on to the, uh, to be voted on by the House. But uh, Speaker Stevens uh, basically said on uh, Monday that they did not have enough time to get the uh, budget done uh, by the end of this week. So he introduced and they placed an amendment while in rules and reference committee into the bill that would pass a resolution to extend the time to July 7th uh, to complete the state budget. I don't know why that would be necessary because we still got, you know, till the end of the week to come up with a budget and get it to the governor. And I know they've been negotiating. I mean, there's discussions go on all the time behind the scenes and and officially in committee. So there's still plenty of time to finish a budget between now and the end of the week. Um, and I, I don't know, but he, he put this out there to extend it and he put it in this bill. So anyway, what's happened now to the bill is it was informally passed, um, which, so the House, I, I don't know what they're going to do. But also in the meantime, the Veterans Caucus in the Ohio House of Representatives introduced a letter saying that they did not want this to occur. And in fact, uh, they requested that it be removed uh, from uh, this concurrent resolution, or this resolution be removed 
from uh, Senate Bill 43 and that it go back to the original bill. Well, that's right. I was actually at the prayer caucus this morning with the House and Senate members. I was invited by State Representative uh, Gary Click to present on the D-Day prayer project that was uh, dedicated earlier this month in Washington, on the Mall in Washington, and was thanking the representatives for the resolution they passed back in 2011 that supported the legislation. And I got the word at that time and spoke to a couple of those members that are veterans, and they were uh, communicating with you, Senator, saying that they weren't going to be able to vote for that bill if this was going to be the resolution uh, for the con- uh, concurring resolution for the budget, which, again, they don't agree with because the budget needs to be done. And by law, it needs to be done by June 30th. And that's this Friday. Uh, by law, uh, we need a balanced budget. And uh, here the speaker is uh, really... He's not really fulfilling his duty as speaker, quite honestly, and uh, this is really causing a problem with the members. Um, But again, thank you for the bill that you introduced. Uh, The veterans in the chambers are speaking in support of your bill, but here it's being hijacked by the speaker to make it the mechanism for the concurring resolution. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Your thoughts? Uh, I don't think it's the right thing to do either. Now, if this were the end of the week, and this was June 30th, and we were at the late in the day, and they still didn't have a resolution to the budget, then okay, maybe you can put it in there and vote on it. But this is this is early in the week. This, I mean, this was actually introduced uh, on Monday, so they've got you know they had plenty of time to still negotiate the budget. So I'm not sure I'm following uh, the reasoning here to do this. Um, you know, I could see this at the end of the week, but. Uh, at this point, uh, there was an attempt by a state rep to uh, amend and remove that concurrent resolution from the bill, um, and uh, because of that, uh, the bill was informally passed uh, due to that. I think it was Bernie uh, Willis was going to amend it to remove the concurrent resolution, and because uh, it wasn't, it was uh, informally passed. That means the bill will sit there. Uh, it could sit there the rest of the week. I, I don't know. Uh, that's going to be up to whatever the speaker does. Well, let's talk about what's in the budget. Uh, this historic school expansion, you had a hand in this. Uh, there was versions in both the Ohio House and the Senate to expand school choice in Ohio. Tell us a little bit about the uh, historic levels of uh, school choice expansion in this budget. Well, under the leadership of President Huffman, uh, and, and I am a, a huge uh, school choice supporter, Chair Dolan, uh, there was a lot of work put into this uh, budget bill. And for the first time in Ohio history, we're going to have a universal school choice voucher under the Ed Choice voucher. Uh, we took what the House did, which was raise the, uh, the amount of, of, uh, from the poverty level for qualification to 450% of the poverty level. And then uh, we basically means tested beyond that all the way through uh, anybody with any kind of income. So the higher the income, though, the less money will be received in the scholarship. But even on a person who makes a lot of money, their students or kids can still receive a scholarship of 10% of the full scholarship. And, and for your listeners, an Ed Choice scholarship is money that can be utilized uh, to go pay for a private tuition in a private school, such as a Catholic school, a Christian school, Jewish schools, or even just academies. 
Uh, and the amount for like a high school student is about 8300 per student. A lot of times that does not cover the full amount of a private school scholar, uh, school funding, but it is, it's a substantial amount of money that can help anybody. And for those people that are saying, well, we should only be public, uh, funding public schools, well, we are. We actually increased the funding. There's, there's a record additional $1.3 billion more in this state budget for public traditional schools. So there's a lot of money that we're spending for all schools. We've expanded greatly school choice options. Uh, we've even expanded the, uh, the, the scholarship tax credit. Uh, we increased those thresholds. Uh, from, uh, I believe it was $500 for anybody making 50000 or less for the tax uh, scholarship uh, to $1,000. And for anybody making over 50000 they can donate up to $1,500. And then those dollars can be uh, written off uh, underneath the scholarship organizations for a tax uh, write-off. And then those dollars can be used for scholarships for kids to go to private schools. So, and, and by the way, both of these are, have been proven constitutional. They've been around for 20 years, but for the first time, we've, we've universally expanded it. So every student in Ohio, if they want to use an Ed Choice scholarship, will have access. Uh, 450% of the poverty level, by the way, is a, for a family of four between about 130 and 135,000 a year, uh, which it, it, that can sound like a lot, but the reality is with inflation, uh, even a middle-class uh, family that's making that kind of money is with the kids and trying to put them in private school, it's, it's a very expensive, and a lot of times it's just not a sustainable way of doing things. So I think this will really vastly give people more choice. They don't like their traditional school for various reasons, whether it's, um, you know, maybe they don't like the performance of it academically. Maybe it just isn't the right suit for their kids. Or maybe for religious reasons, they want to put their kids in a private school. These scholarships can be used for that. Uh, maybe even if they don't like, maybe it's a great school system, but they don't like maybe some of the wokeness that's going on. These scholarships can be used for that. So uh, it's they're they're available for people now uh, statewide uh, once we pass this budget. But again, uh, this is something that's in the budget that we're we're waiting to pass and and have, send to the governor. We're talking with State Senator Andy Brenner. He is the uh, senator from the 19th District. He is also the chairman of the Education Committee in the Ohio Senate. And, of course, uh, we're on the verge of historic school choice expansion in Ohio, as you just heard, universal school choice for every child in Ohio. And this will go a long way uh, for parents having the rights and each student having the right to pick the school of their choice uh, to uh, for their educational journey, uh, and so that's a great accomplishment in this legislature. But again, what we're talking about is the state biennium budget is hung up in the House right now because the House did not concur. And Speaker Stevens, again, we have to remind you, he was ma- elected with a majority of Democrats, not Republicans, uh, as 22 Republicans joined 32 Democrats to elect Speaker Stevens. And now it seems that that is playing out in some fashion with this budget. Governor uh, DeWine, uh, Senator, has spoken out on this and does not want the concurring resolution. He doesn't see any need for it, as you indicated and pointed out very directly, that today is just Tuesday. You have till Friday, and I've seen these marathon sessions over the years. I've been doing this 22 years, and I've seen the marathon sessions, and this is when the conference committee of both uh, representatives 
Democrat and Republican from both the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate, pound things out, receiving information from their members, and they work it out in conference so that you can get the job done. I don't understand. I've not actually seen this before. These are unprecedented times with uh, Speaker Stevens. Uh, I don't think his example or, or his argument on this is a good one. Again, your thoughts on this with this concurring resolution. I, I agree. I, we've, we've had plenty of time. I, their argument is, is that this is a big budget. Well, yes, it is. But that's because we have Senate Bill 1, which the House has worked on, which we have passed twice out of the Senate. Uh, they've got uh, we've got Senate Bill 83 also in it. But if there's some dis which which the uh, Senate has voted on and passed out, and there's been also a, a review of it over in the in the House, so it's not like these bills that they're talking about that they had concerns with haven't had a lot of public testimony because they have. Uh, so I just and if if there's some concerns with it, that's what the conference committee's for. Bring those uh, those issues to the conference committee negotiate them, which it sounded to me from my conversations with Senate leadership that things were going well uh, with, the, with the discussion. So this idea that we need to extend it just does not seem to add up. Uh, again, it really doesn't. And so we would ask uh, you call Speaker Stevens' office and uh, urge him to pass the budget. Uh, you can call his office at Speaker Stevens, and we'll put that, uh, that information up on our website. Uh, Senator, um, what happens now if this concurring resolution of the current levels of funding carry over into July? What might lo that look like now as we continue the debate into J July? And in other words, you've ex you've uh, uh, you did not meet the deadline, uh, which is constitutionally ordered by June thirtieth, and now you're going to carry the budget debate into July. What what does that look like if that actually ends up happening? Because we have the Fourth of July uh, break coming up as well. Yes. Oh, well, that's a good. That's another good point. Um, we do have a Fourth. Fourth of July falls on a Tuesday, so a lot of people are going to be out of town. They've got other plans. I mean, most elected officials go to parades. I'll be in a parade. Uh, you know, so these are things that we're planning to do. However, if we have to pass a concurrent resolution, what basically happens is we continue funding the state the same way we're currently funding it. Uh, nothing. None of the changes go into effect other than we just continue to operate as if we're operating this month, uh, but we don't have, you know, the, the, the permanent law in place. So we'll have to come back at that point and, and vote for an operating budget, uh, which has to happen and should happen by the end of uh, June, uh, because, you, you know, it's not just this, but we also have there's deadlines that are in place that are in these budgets uh, for when policies go into effect. And if you delay any of that, that can delay the, the deadlines. It can delay when policies go into place and in effect, and that can create a lot of uh, chaos. So, uh, and that's you know not just now, but that can happen months down the road when the the laws go into effect. So, I think it's very important that we meet this June 30th deadline. And um, I would encourage your listeners, yeah, definitely to to support making sure that this budget is done by June 30th. Again, we're talking with State Senator Andy Brenner of the 19th District, and we're talking about the budget uh, that's being discussed at the State House. And it looks as if the House is going to uh, offer a concurring resolution of the current levels, but it would me wouldn't mean that we would have we wouldn't have the budget that we need right now. And of course, this school choice expansion. 
uh, is in the new is in the new budget. So call Speaker Stevens and urge him uh, to meet the deadline for the budget. Uh, Senator, just some great work with the educational choice. I know that uh, you and I have discussed education over the years. Uh, let me ask you this: Of course, the safeguarding of uh, Ohio's um, founding America documents curriculum. Every couple of years, it seems like we always have to safeguard this to make sure it stays uh, in the curriculum. Uh, are we all good with that? There's no threat to that in this budget, from what you can uh, see. Chris, we're we're absolutely safe in that in this budget. Oh, good. Well, that's that's a relief because I know, and you and I both have fought this over the years to keep it in there. And, of course, Ohio students do very well when it comes to social studies, American government, American history, because of the Founding American Documents curriculum. And thank you, Senator, for your help over the years to make sure that that stays in place intact. It is an educational guarantee from our uh, students from the 8th to 12th grade uh, that they learn about the founding documents of this country. And as we go into the 4th July weekend, uh, that's something we can celebrate. And, uh, you know, it's funny, we can't fix all the world's problems when we see what's happening in Washington. And our thoughts and prayers go to our Congress, congressional members because of what's happening with the Biden administration. And, and there's lots of controversies swirling around the administration now uh, with serious allegations of bribery and international intrigue uh, with him and his son. But we can safeguard the homestead, and that's here in Ohio. And I want to thank you for serving at the Ohio State House. Uh, and that's what I had a chance to thank those members today. Uh, the, you know, good uh, Christian men and women who are serving us in the Ohio State House, and we're very thankful for that. Uh, and basically keeping the beacon lit brightly here in the state of Ohio. But things are looking pretty good for Ohio. I mean, when you think about uh, some of the new businesses that are coming for Ohio, and uh, in certain times past we would be suffering, uh, you know, it's like economically, but uh, there has been some good economic things. I know it's tough out there with, like you say, inflation, uh, with uh, the prices at uh, the pump and also in, in the grocery stores uh, because of the administration's policies, quite honestly. Uh, but yet uh, you're fighting the good fight down there in Columbus, and we appreciate that. Thank you very much, Chris. Yes, we are, and I think the economy is doing quite well. We've, you know, Intel battery plants. We now have an Amazon expansion. All these things are occurring because of the Republican policies that we've been putting in place over the last decade. Senator, thank you so much uh, for what you're doing. We'll have you back on when we finally get this budget done and we can uh, break it down in detail. But thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. Again, that's State Senator Andy Brenner from the 19th District. And do call Speaker Stevens' office and urge him to meet the deadline for the budget. That's this uh, Friday, June 30th. Uh, but it looks as if they want to try to uh, do a concurring resolution and just carry it over. That causes some concern because we certainly want this historic school choice voucher program to be in place uh, and so that our children can benefit from it. Also, visit our website for the uh, issue one bulletin insert is available for download and print and redistribution in your church, and that's at ohioca.org. The Ohio Christian Alliance is urging a yes vote on issue one on the special election of August 8th, and that's vote yes on issue one, which will uh, raise the threshold of 60% for the constitutional amendment and safeguard our state constitution. We encourage you to do that. 
and to make sure that people in your network and your family and friends and in your church know about it. And again, the bulletin insert for Issue 1 is on our website at ohioca.org, and you can click on there. Also request bulletin inserts for your church is there as well, and we'll mail those out to you. And again, that's all at Ohio Christian Alliance at ohioca.org. Well, thanks for listening, and continue as we're going to have our Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, also talk about in detail Issue 1 and why it's so important to protect Ohio's Constitution from radical uh, interests seeking, special interests seeking to hijack Ohio's Constitution. That's why we need to vote yes on Issue 1. Thanks for listening. Stand by. God bless. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue the following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have with us this, this afternoon uh, the Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, will be on the program. We'll be talking about the upcoming special election on August 8th. Uh, that's uh, issue one. That is to raise the uh, constitutional amendment uh, passage increase to 60 percent. 
The Ohio Christian Alliance favors that issue. We're urging a vote yes on issue one. In fact, churches can take positions on issues. In fact, we have a bulletin insert available on our website right now. It's the Issue 1 bulletin insert. It can be distributed to your congregants, and you can download that at our website, print and download it. Uh, also, if you need printed versions of the bulletin insert, let us know. Phone our office, contact us through our website, and we'll make sure that you are shipped out some bulletin inserts for your congregation. Of course, this is the special election of August 8th, and it's Issue 1. We're going to talk about that in detail. I also want to tell you about the Freedom Banquet this Thursday, June 22nd. 7 p.m. is dinner, 6 p.m. is reception at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. This is actually our annual Freedom Banquet. We are having a rally on Issue 1, but you do need to register because it's a fundraising dinner for the Ohio Christian Alliance. You can do that at our website at ohioca.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance, and right there at the top you can register for the banquet. We hope that you'll join us. Uh, that evening, we'll have Robert Sprague, the, se- uh, the Treasurer of State, with us. Also, Secretary of State Frank LaRose, uh, State Representatives Melanie Miller and Brian Stewart, and the President of Ohio Right to Life, Mike Gonadakis, will be with us as well. We'll have plenty of material for you to redistribute to your citizens group, to your community group, and to your church at the event. We'll also have uh, yard signs on Issue 1. And again, you can register for that at our website at ohioca.org. Well, without any further ado, let's uh, talk to our Secretary of State, who's been very busy this last quarter, in this spring quarter of the year. Uh, Mr. Secretary, welcome to the program. Well, hey, good to talk to you, Chris, and looking forward to being there at the Freedom Banquet this Thursday. It's going to be great to uh, gather with fellow people of faith who care about the civic life of our state, and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Well, absolutely. And so this year has been very interesting as this uh, was a vigorous debate at the State House on Issue 1 and, of course, um, the um, effort to safeguard Ohio's Constitution. Uh, this is not a new idea or a novel idea. This has actually been around for a while. We had uh, State Representative Brian Stewart, who is an attorney and serves in the Ohio General Assembly. He actually championed what was HDR 1, which is the measure to raise the constitutional amendment increase to 60%. In fact, Ohio is only one of eight states uh, that has a simple majority passage to actually amend our Constitution, and that's led to some really quirky things on the ballot over the years, including, for our standpoint, the casino issue, and especially when you had um, addresses of where these casinos were to be in the locations, and it was really carving out Uh, a deal for certain individuals. That was ridiculous, and they had a lot of money. They uh, utilized the uh, opening of early voting, uh, and uh, they took advantage of that, and they were able to pass four casinos in the state of Ohio. That's just one of them. But there's other things in there as well. And so I'm going to let you get to the details because you have these things down by memory. But uh, when we look at the U.S. Constitution, it was only amended 27 times, and the founders wisely realize that we want this to be an enduring document that establishes our rights, our privileges, our freedoms, and uh, not easily to be uh, amended on the whims of uh, any kind of uh, Congress that would come and go, but that it would take, uh, let's see, two-thirds of the Congress and three-fourths of the states to ratify a constitutional amendment on the federal level. Tell us about your feelings about with our state constitution. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And, you know, I guess I should mention, I, I've always uh, 
felt that the U.S. Constitution is even a divinely inspired document. I mean, the wisdom of our founders to uh, construct it the way that it was constructed, um, I think that uh, I think that it, uh, it involves the Lord's blessing uh, over this nation and 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 has for our uh, now close to 250 years of history. If you think about this, the U.S. Constitution is the most durable, enduring constitution in all of human history. No constitution of any nation has survived as long as the U.S. Constitution. As you mentioned, it's been amended 27 times. It is possible to amend the U.S. Constitution, but it's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy to change the founding charter of your nation. And and let's talk about what constitutions are for. This is kind of back to seventh grade uh, civics class or something. Constitutions really exist for two main reasons. One is to lay out the basic functioning of government, three branches, separation of power, how a bill becomes a law, you know, the basic nuts and bolts of how your government's going to operate. That's one thing that constitutions are meant for. And the other thing is fundamental unalienable rights, such as the right to freedom of speech, freedom uh, of religion, and freedom uh, to assemble, uh, uh, keep and bear arms, uh, not self-incriminating. That often overlooked Third Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is not quartering troops. And as an uh, active reservist in the Army, when I stay at a friend's house, I often uh, will uh, comment to them that I'm violating their Third Amendment rights. <laughs> <laughs> having them quarter a troop. But listen, these are the... Well, well for the listener's okay. sake, you are still serving. You're a, you're our Secretary of State, a full-time job, absolutely, but you're also continuing to serve in the U.S. service. Tell us about that, about the Army. Yeah, just like thousands of other Ohioans who serve as a Guard or Reserve members, I serve as a military reservist, uh, serve in a uh, U.S. Army Special Forces unit uh, and enjoy being an Army Green Beret on the weekends, if you will. Uh, and so when I'm not being Secretary of State LaRose, I get to be Sergeant First Class LaRose. And, and for me, it's a uh, it's a labor of love and honestly something I look forward to. I don't want to describe it as an avocation or a hobby because it's obviously so much more than that, but it is time I enjoy uh, getting to uh, put on the uniform and spend time uh, with my brothers and sisters who defend this nation, and it's truly an honor to do that. So, uh, you know, constitutions exist for basic fundamental rights and the basic functioning of government. Uh, if you look at the, the difference between our state constitution and the U.S. Constitution, as we said, the U.S. Constitution has been amended 27 times. It's nearly 7,000 words long. It fits in your pocket. Uh, we all have our pocket constitutions that, that, that uh, you know, you can carry with you in your shirt pocket. Well, I can tell you that the state constitution does not fit in your shirt pocket because <laughs> at this point, it has been amended nearly 200 times to include, as you mentioned, things that really don't belong in a constitution, like uh, casinos and, 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 and all manner of other things. And it's nearly 70,000 words long. So it's 10 times longer than the U.S. Constitution. Chris, what has happened here is it's been abused. It's been used for legislating, lawmaking. Lawmaking via constitutional amendment is not good government. These are topics that should be debated in the state legislature and considered by both chambers and considered by the governor for his signature or veto. Uh, there's ways for the citizens to change the law, and issue one doesn't change that. Citizens can still make a law change with a 50% plus one vote, even after issue one passes, and that's called the initiated statute process. And citizens have another way to repeal laws, effectively a citizen veto, if you will, through the referendum process that happened just 10 years ago here in Ohio. And citizens have the ability to do that. 
with a 50% plus one vote. And so when the left says this is about majority rule and that it's going to make it harder for citizens to change the law, that's a lie. It's completely and demonstrably false. All that issue one does is says that the Constitution, the very founding charter of our state, should be handled different than day-to-day lawmaking. If you're going to change the very foundational document of our state, you should have a consensus, a broad consensus of Ohioans, including left and right and urban and rural. You should be able to get a larger number of Ohioans behind your idea. Or the way I've described it, if you've got about 51 or 52 percent of Ohioans who support your idea, whatever that idea may be, you can go work with the legislature. You can propose an initiated statute law change. In a lot of ways, you can get your idea done if you've got 51 or 52 percent of Ohioans that like your idea. But if you don't have at least 60 percent, you should leave our Constitution alone. And certainly something like this radical abortion amendment does not belong in our Constitution. But this is not all it's about. The left is trying to mischaracterize this. Another lie that they are telling, including using my own words out of context, they took a 10-minute speech and picked their favorite 10 seconds out of it. They're trying to say this is exclusively about abortion. I'm pro-life. You're pro-life. Of course we want to keep a bad radical abortion amendment out of our Constitution. But this is about so many other things. We suspect that in just a couple of weeks, we're going to get uh, you know, people bringing uh, to our office this abortion amendment. They want to put that in this, this November. But next year, uh, we've already heard of people gathering signatures to put a $15 an hour minimum wage in the Constitution. People want to do things to set government controls over uh, prescription drug prices, uh, maybe something with marijuana. None of those things belong in the Constitution. Go debate them in the legislature. I'm not for any of those things, but they don't belong in the state Constitution. And that's what issue one is all about. And as you mentioned, Ohio is a vast outlier compared to other states. Most states don't even allow a citizen group to put a constitutional question on the ballot. And that's kind of a misnomer because it's often not a citizen group. It's not like a bunch of people get together in their living room and and come up with this. It's often a out-of-state special interest group with very deep pockets that try to do this. But only 17 states in the whole country even allow a citizen-initiated constitutional amendment. This wouldn't change that. Ohio would still be one of those very few states where citizens can propose a change to our constitution. All we're saying is that we should have the same safeguards in place that most other states do, and that is elevating the standard and building a bigger consensus before somebody changes the Constitution. One last thing, and this shows the hypocrisy of the left when it comes to this. If you look at groups like the Ohio Democratic Party, who opposes issue one, well, it's it's inconsistent for them to oppose issue one because their own party bylaws, the party bylaws of the Ohio Democratic Party, which they call their party constitution requires a 60% vote to pass a change to the Democratic Party bylaws. Yeah, that, the that is voters. quite an irony. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's right. And uh, I saw that circulating out on the uh, Internet and on Twitter, and it was absolutely true. Yeah. Part of their state constitution of their party requires 60%. And here they are complaining that we're raising our standard to 60%. We're talking with Secretary of State Frank LaRose. We're talking about issue one, the August 8th special election. Uh, Mr. Secretary, when I'm looking at the amended language, uh, a couple of questions have come, and I'd like to address these with you. Uh, Here it says in uh, one provision of it, required that any initiative petition filed on or after January 1st, 2024, with the Secretary of State proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio, be signed by at least 5% of the electors of each county based on the total vote in the county for governor in the last preceding election. 
goes on in the next section, specify that additional signatures may not be added to any initiative petition proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio that is filed with the Secretary of State on or after January 1st, 2024. So where people are confused, if Issue 1 on August 8th passes, it will go into effect before the November uh, ballot, which uh, the abortion ballot measure is trying to target November as when they want their uh, petition or their amendment on the ballot. Um, This law would go into effect if passed on August 8th, prior to the November election. Is that correct? That's correct. So what happens is if the voters of Ohio vote yes on issue one between now and August 8th and early begin, early voting begins on July 11th, then the uh, 60% threshold would go into immediate effect. The legislature chose, and I believe this is fair on their part, that for groups that are already out there gathering signatures and already have that effort underway, that you can't just change the, the rules uh, you know, on, on them as far as the number of petitions you need, the number of petition signatures that's right. you need to gather to qualify. And so that's why they had a delayed effective date for the number of petitions and which counties uh, you need to circulate petitions in. Right now, uh, you're allowed to get signatures. You can you can qualify for the ballot with signatures in only half of the counties. And that means you could just focus on the big, uh, more urban and more developed counties. But we believe if you're going to have a change to the Constitution that impacts all of Ohio, that you should have to gather signatures in all 88 counties. And that's what this uh, that's what that provision is meant to do. OK, so just to clarify, the language in there that says January 1st, 2024 is addressing any future constitutional amendment petitions that would be circulated. Uh, But it doesn't mean that this uh, 60% threshold increase requirement would be delayed until 2024. It will go into effect uh, when? Not immediately, but when will it go into effect if passed on August 8th? No, it would take immediate effect. Once the results of the August 8th election are certified, uh, then then that takes immediate effect uh, once the voters support that. And again, there's just two separate provisions in here. One raises the elevates the threshold to 60 percent to pass a constitutional amendment. That would take immediate effect once we certify the results of the election, which generally happens a couple weeks after the election, once the boards of elections have done their post-election audits, carefully uh, considered the uh, uh, for example, overseas military ballots that come in a few days after the uh, election sometimes. Once that process runs, that'll take immediate effect once we certify the result of that election. But the increase in the signature gathering requirements to gather signatures in all 88 counties, uh, that would that would not take effect until the first of the year. Very good. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helped shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station.
Again, we're talking with Secretary of State Frank LaRose. We're talking about the August 8th special election and issue one, and we're urging a yes vote on issue one. That means the Ohio Christian Alliance is urging a yes vote. So, Mr. Secretary, when we look at voter registration, uh, the deadline to register to vote or amend your voter registration if you've changed address, um, if uh, you've just turned 18, you'll need to register. Um, then uh, that the deadline for that to vote in the August 8th election is July 10th? July 10th. Yes, sir. That's July 10th. And think about this. Uh, if you've got a loved one in your family that just turned 18 this year or will turn 18 anytime before uh, up until and including August 8th, say, you're, uh, say you have a child or grandchild whose birthday is August 8th, they can register to vote right now, and they should do that right now at VoteOhio.gov. That's the easiest place to do it. It takes about two minutes to do online. If you prefer to use the paper form, you can get that from any library, Bureau of Motor Vehicles location. You can stop at your county board of elections and just go uh, do it right there on the spot. And so remember, you know, remind your friends to get registered to vote. Young people in your neighborhood, maybe uh, the neighbor kid that cuts your grass, for example, uh, talk to them about getting registered to vote if they've turned 18 or will be turning 18 by August 8th. And then, again, your neighbors, maybe the person that you sit next to in church that just moved recently, remind them to go to VoteOhio.gov and update their address uh, so that they can make sure that their voice is heard. That deadline, again, is July 10th because starting on July 11th, early voting is underway and will continue for four weeks. And I want to make sure people know it is a good way to vote if you want to. If you're going to be traveling with your family on August 8th, you can vote uh, starting on July 10th. Um, and you can get the hours and locations again at our website, voteohio.gov, or you can request an absentee ballot and vote from the comfort of your own home. It's easy to do. Try it. You'll like it. Uh, you can actually put in that request right now. If you put in a request uh, to, to, to get an absentee ballot, all you got to do is print the form off of our website, mail it to your county board of elections. Voteohio.gov is the website where you get that form, and you'll be among the first to get your absentee ballot in the mail uh, as soon as they start mailing those out on July 11th. So again, early voting begins July 11th for the August 8th special election. Voter registration deadline is uh, July 10th. And uh, Mr. Secretary, so one other requirement that uh, is new in Ohio and a good one for um, the security of our election system, and that is photo voter, excuse, excuse me, photo voter ID requirement. Explain to us the uh, change in the law and what folks need to be prepared about. Yeah, so this is part of a package of election integrity reforms that I worked with the legislature to get passed last year. This is a good improvement in Ohio. And by the way, puts us right in line with the vast majority of other states in the country that simply says you've got to prove your identity when you come to vote. Uh, prior to last year, when people came to vote, 98% of them would bring their ID because that's what most of us have in our pockets, an easy way to, to do that. But there was a backup plan. Some people would take advantage of showing their uh, maybe a bank statement, maybe a, uh, a, a utility bill. There was a whole list of other documents that you could use to prove your identity. Well, with the passage of the bill last year, all of those are gone. And now the only way to prove your identity is with a state-issued photo ID or a military ID or a passport. There's an exhaustive list of the, the government photo ID documents that you can use on our website. But for most of us, it's our state ID or driver's license. You will be asked for that when you come to your polling location, so make sure you've got it. And if you don't have it, 
there's still a backup plan. If you show up without your ID on election day, or if the dog ate it, uh, you will be given what's called a provisional ballot. And it's a separate uh, form. It, it, It looks just like a normal ballot, but it goes in a separate envelope. And then for four days after the election, you've got the opportunity to go down to the Board of Elections, prove your identity so that your ballot will be cast uh, and counted as part of the final total. Here's one last thing to consider, Chris. (laughs) The state legislature wanted to make sure that we're not leaving any Ohio voters out of this. And so they included in there a provision where you can get a free ID if you don't have one or can't afford one or whatever else. You can go to any Bureau of Motor Vehicles location. There's hundreds of them around the state. And you can get a free state ID so that you won't be left out of voting. Now, again, the hypocrisy from the left, they're suing me to try to keep this from going into effect. We're implementing it already. We're, that requirement is in place. But there is, uh, well, it's Hillary Clinton's lawyer, a guy named Mark Elias, is suing me right now in the courts uh, to try to prevent this from taking effect. We're fighting it. Myself and the attorney general are fighting it hard. And I'm confident that we'll win it, uh, just like they have in other states, because it's a thoughtful well laid out piece of legislation. And again, most Ohioans, Republicans and Democrats agree, you should have to prove your identity when you come to vote. Absolutely. We've been working on that for a number of years and found that the majority of Ohioans, again, regardless of party affiliation, wanted uh, to secure Ohio's vote with a voter photo ID requirement. And thank you, Mr. Secretary, for working on those election integrity laws and implementing them. And we uh, trust that things will work out and and will be upheld in the courts uh, because it's very reasonable and, like you said, not unreasonable of what other states are doing. But it seems like the political left always wants a pound on Ohio uh, because they, they just uh, really don't like that we're a conservative state and they don't like the things we do here, but we're going to keep at it. Well, Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for being my guest today. Again, you'll be with us uh, Thursday night at the Freedom Bank. We thank you for that, and we look forward to seeing you then. Really looking forward to it, Chris, and thanks for all you do. And please keep our election officials and poll workers in your prayers. They work really hard for us. Absolutely. And we'll continue to recruit folks to work the polls as well as we head not only to August, but to the November uh, November election as well. Two minutes. Thank you. So if you've missed any of today's interview, you can hear it in its entirety. Go ahead, Mr. Secretary. You can do that. You can... Sorry, Chris, for talking over you. You can sign up to be a poll worker at VoteOhio.gov. They train you uh, to do the work. They, they give you uh, a good polling location to work at right in your community, and you'll be on the front lines of running another free and fair election for Ohio. So, again, VoteOhio.gov is the place to sign up if you want to be among the nearly 40,000 poll workers that it takes to run Election Day in Ohio. Wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. God bless you, sir. Thank you, sir. Take care. We'll see you. Again, that was uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose is our guest today. If you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Well, stay, stick around. We're going to talk more about Issue 1 and the specifics of it, why it's needed, and we are urging a yes vote on Issue 1 on the August 8th special election ballot. As you heard from the Secretary, if you need to amend or update your voter registration, you could do that online. Uh, we actually have a link on our website. Uh, but also the Secretary of State's website, and you can do that online, updating your voter registration. And uh, that deadline is July 10th uh, if you're going to vote in the uh, August 8th special election. Also, if you wanted to vote early, if you're going to be out of town on August 8th or on a vacation or maybe uh, scheduling a health uh, uh, time in the hospital, 
you want to vote early, you can do that also uh, by requesting an application for absentee ballot or voting in person at your Board of Election starting on July 11th. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.